Hello and welcome to Finding Annie. I am reporting from a hotel room in Manchester on a rainy Saturday night. Just got a little quiet moment before the chaos ensues. Um, last week's episode got an enormous reaction. Um, it was a chat with Zane Lowe. All the radio heads were, came out and, and, and kind of commented on it. And a lot of people who are just fans of uh, listening to the shows over the years came out and kind of enjoyed the trip down memory lane. And a lot of people said they were inspired by it as well, which I was really happy about because I felt really inspired too. And my husband said the same thing. Um, it kind of makes you look at your life where you are and figure out what you want to do. And, and kind of hopefully it helped you um, assess uh, where you are and, and, and maybe kind of um, helped you be inspired to do something about your career if you're not in a place that you are fully happy with. So yeah, thank you to everyone for getting in touch. Um, shout out to Wendy Rollins, who said, what an inspiring, enlightening and comical listen. I'm a fan of you both. And the opportunity to catch you both unfiltered was a treat. I have been in radio for 25 years and I had such a fantastic time laughing and nodding in agreement with the conversation. And I found myself inspired too, uh, to hear that you both struggle with um, boredom at times and constantly feel a pull to make it happen. Uh, made me feel a bit brighter about my next venture so thank you for that Wendy and also shout out to LA Brennan sat in my room as a teenager in my junior cert year doing homework in Donegal I managed to just about get signal for BBC Radio 1 being so close to the border Zane introduced me to the likes of Laura Marling and Arctic Monkeys and massively opened the door to my enjoyment and exploration of music as a teenager living in a rural place with terrible dial-up internet connection that FM radio signal was a blessing Radio is a solace, man. It's a solace, it's a friend, it's a companion, it's an escape, it's a path of discovery. It's all those things and it was such a pleasure to go deep and, and really uh, dig into why I love radio so much last week with someone who I've respected for so long. So yeah, thank you so much for listening to that. Onwards, soldiers, to this week's episode. And I am bringing you this week one of my favourite conversations that I've had for this project so far. Suzanne Moore is the guest on the podcast. She is an award-winning journalist. She is a mother of three daughters, a grandmother to one, with another on the way. She is born and bred in Hackney, East London, and has been writing for various publications all her adult life, but most recently has become best known for her pieces in The Guardian and in The New Statesman. Now, I was not put onto her, I just found her. I came across her and was drawn to her writing immediately because of its total lack of pretension and fearlessness in laying out her opinions in a totally honest and unambiguous way. As I said last week, uh, when I was introducing this week's, Suzanne Moore does not skirt around the edges of things. She confronts them. She puts her face right up to them and challenges them. Um, this year, she won the Orwell Prize for Journalism for writing that is, I quote, incisive, relevant and human and talks about her stubborn and brave commentary. She's written about uh, mental health, about Brexit, about the Me Too movement, about the menopause, most recently about grief after the very sad um, death of her very close friend, Deborah Orr, the esteemed journalist. Um, and also recently, a couple of months ago, in fact, she wrote an article called Why Does No One Ever Tell You How Brilliant Aging Can Be? This article, I sent the link to all my friends I took quotes from it I just I just found it so inspiring so refreshing in terms of its outlook on age and I wanted to read you a little bit of it now if that's okay if you want Carol Vorderman's arse and Lana Del Rey's lips and Kim Kardashian's waist I cannot help you if you think a knee lift will change your life well good luck 
If you think you can stay forever young, I have some breaking news. But no one talks about the good bits of ageing, so I will. The menopause, a time of anxiety and then freedom when women move from being someone who can reproduce to someone who can't. Everything changes physically and mentally. It is a premonition of death and one becomes a different kind of being altogether, a creature who can only reproduce itself. She goes on to talk about the editing process that comes with ageing and how brilliant that is. Um, And then there's the final two lines of the piece. Time is for wasting. Time is what you make of it. You choose. The best sign of ageing, though, is that you are still you, only more so. So yeah, as I said, it really moved me. And I had been looking to speak to someone about growing older and all the psychological uh, roller coasters that come with that. And um, I realised after I read the article that Suzanne Moore was the perfect person to speak to. So I got in touch and she invited us around her house and we sat in her beautiful kitchen and we talked. Enter the podcast, Suzanne Moore. We are here sitting in your kitchen. Thank you for having me in your lovely kitchen. Um, And the reason why we're here is because you wrote an article about growing older about a month ago now which proper struck me. I mean, I love your writing anyway. I, I always go to your articles and kind of treasure them and send them to my friends and like oh, clip absolutely. out quotes and stuff. Um, but this one was just really resonated me be, with me because I turned 40 last year and I've been really thinking about like age and time flying away. You just said that that article had a lot of reaction. It did actually, and it was just one of those things. I mean, I've written before about the menopause. I mean, I'm past that now, but I, I sometimes write the things I want to read. If if you understand me, and I had read so many kind of depressing articles about aging and the kind of assumption that, especially for women, it's it's just dreadful. Basically, you become invisible and miserable and unattractive and sort of all life is finished and I just don't feel like that and I know many women my age I'm 61 now I mean I know many women my age who actually feel much happier in themselves and I and I just wanted to talk about that as well because there's something of course you know I'm very well aware that aging is really difficult for people with chronic illnesses and I've got a friend now he's extremely ill I know it's not easy. I mean, I'm not sort of pretending it's all lovely. But there is something to do with kind of of coming through the other side um, of your 50s and your 40s and your 50s. And and you can still, you know, it's... um, I really hope things are changing so that we don't have to just kind of disappear. And there's something about the freedom that comes when your children get older, if you've had children. If you haven't had children you know you might still want to go and do something else Mm. there's lots of stuff Mm. and what do you think are the kind of perceptions of aging at the moment that you you know you again you mentioned in the article that that kind of do your head in as someone who is over (laughs) 60 like what do you resent about people's like perceptions of what it is to be old or older and growing older or the word aging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we don't need to be constantly reminded that, you know, our bodies are falling apart because 
we're women. <laughs> we know. <laughs> we're women. And we have had, we've grown up with our bodies constantly changing anyway yeah. from puberty, going through the periods. If you've been pregnant, you were kind of aware that your body does really weird stuff. Yeah. And I mean, um, even when I think about breastfeeding and stuff now and I look back and think, God, that was so weird. You know, that one minute you have a baby and the next minute you're just like a machine and milk comes. And I remember being so shocked by it all at the time. Yeah. And then you get to a certain age and the periods stop and you feel quite mental, well, if you're me, and you feel hot. And I really need to ask you about all of that. Yeah. We'll and I was that. very aware at that time and when that happened that um, I'd actually kind of consider myself fairly well informed but when the menopause started happening when I go to the doctors and say I feel very anxious I can't sleep properly all of these things but I knew far less about what they call perimenopause and menopause than puberty no because we don't know anything because it's this is to get back to the aging we don't talk about it because it's slightly shameful because it means that you might be about 50. I mean, the average age of menopause here in this country is 51. So you might be having some symptoms in your late 40s. But people don't like to talk about it because it's like saying, I'm getting older. And and so women do tend to kind of slightly suffer in silence or talk to each other or go online. And then you find, I mean, God, you know, it's like Googling anything med- medical online. I mean, you know... I don't want to depress you, but it's like your clitoris is going to sort of drop off and all sorts of things. It's, you're just going to dry out, basically. Oh, Life is going to be over. And it's awful. And you just get really even more worried, you know. And then you go to doctors and you there are brilliant doctors, but a lot of middle-aged women are being prescribed antidepressants, which they shouldn't be having for symptoms of the menopause. So I felt very strongly about that. So I wrote about that. And... Then I came out on the other side of that. You know, there certainly is light at the end of the tunnel because you've got to an age where your job in life, if you want to talk about biological destiny, which I, I wouldn't, but, you know, you've done your procreation bit, you've had your kids or you haven't, but that bit of you is gone and now you've got another life. And so that's what I think I wanted to, wanted to celebrate the other life there's a freedom in it there's a freedom in saying well I am this age and look at me this is brilliant I've I've, I've lived this long and it's kind of great um or you can say oh you know my skin isn't like it was when I was 20 and the Daily Mail says I should have a knee lift and you know the continual kind of reflection on how you look. Mm, that was what resonated and, with and me a lot in the articles. You, the word aging, when you look it up, is all based on yeah. cosmetics and aesthetics. Yeah, I think if you Google it, you'll just come up with a load of anti-aging yeah. Yeah. Uh, moisturizers. Like it's something to combat rather it than is. embrace. It is. It is. Like it it's, is. it's like default negative thing, isn't it? That in the, yes. people's perception of it. Yeah. I mean, the two things that you say to women that are, I mean, you can say them to men as well, but that seem to be the biggest compliments are A, you lost weight or B, you don't look your age. Mm. And, and you know, I haven't lost weight and I do look my age yeah. and it's okay. Yeah. It's what I yeah. wanted to say. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I would like to shed a few pounds, but I'm not going to give up the things yeah. that make me enjoy my life. Did you get a big reaction and response from women yeah. from this article? Yeah, I did because... I've never read anything like that. 
I did because just simply saying, uh, I mean, I think I said at the end, you know, you're you, only you're more you. Yeah, I love that line. Yeah. yeah. So I got, I, got, I got loads of people saying, oh, thank God someone has said this. It's, it's almost... <sighs> Yeah, I'm I'm okay being me. I never did look like a supermodel when I'm young, so I'm not going to look like one now. Yeah. I mean, have I've got three daughters, so you watch young women and it's really difficult because you know at the time they look they're absolutely they look beautiful mm-hmm. and gorgeous and they've got lovely skin and their bodies are perfect and they don't feel very good often mm-hmm. at the time they look the best and it's a sad thing that our culture does that and makes us all compare ourselves to impossible people and I do think that's got worse when I was young we'd look at film stars or pop stars or you know whoever and you think oh my god they're so beautiful and they're wonderful but I didn't think I had to be them I just thought they were like incredible people now it seems that younger women compare themselves the entire time to celebrities whose whole job that entire job is to be beautiful and yeah we all love beautiful people I mean no question but your self-worth if if that to use um, self-esteem is an overused word but you have to understand that self-esteem comes from lots of different sources I mean it comes from how you look is one but it comes from the work you do it comes from your friends it comes from your relationships it comes from how you feel about the world and I, I as you age I mean if all your self-esteem has been put in that one box of how you look you're gonna it's gonna be really difficult for you just thinking what you might uh, what what you might achieve or what you might want to do is it shouldn't fill us with dread mm. Mm. I think there's a perception, and, and again, there's a that people think that your life kind of stops because yes. you retire, and then what do you do? You're just going to wait to die. <laughs> but, but to me, really to me, it's like I've seen my parents now, and they're like happier than ever, and they're traveling, and they're doing all the stuff okay. that they've always wanted to do. And it's like you are freer than you've ever been in your life, right? Like as long as your body is allowing you to do that, and you have the income to to go on these adventures. So, because what happens once you get, I don't even know if it's 60 or 55, you suddenly start getting these kind of saga holiday brochures. And also everybody, as I pointed out to them, everybody has sort of got white hair and a nice blue jumper and they're playing golf in Surrey or something. Yeah. They're just doing things that, <laughs> that you've never done. So like why you think you're going to suddenly start doing them or going on cruises? I don't want to go yeah. on a cruise. I mean... This sort of assumptions about what they think older people are and yeah. do are from are from the fifties somehow. Yeah. You've just got these nice sort of tinkly grey haired people and maybe a barbecue. That would be the most kind of exotic thing you ever did. <laughs> and I just don't know anyone like that. Yeah. I just you know, I'm not being like, oh hey, I'm so cool. Mm. People just aren't like that yeah. now. And so their model of what to sell to older people. And actually the reality when I was there and I was sort of chatting to them is that group of people have way more disposable income sometimes than younger people. Absolutely. So don't patronise them. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I mean, don't patronise us. I mean, I get, I mean, you, you know how Facebook picks up stuff. I, don't, I just get ads for basically think machines that I can put on my face to make my skin better. And, and, those kind of dresses I would call kind of, well, burkas, really. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Uh, 
kind of massive, huge yeah. sort of hemp sort of type tents. Has anything surprised you since you've got reached your... Like my huge... Like uh, about how you feel or about how other people feel about you being the age that you are. Um, Talking like you're an old person, which you are not. <laughs> what does, does make me feel older has changed me is having a grandchild. Because uh, I don't know how to behave. <laughs> or when I tell people I've got a grandchild, I think they think that um, I should be kind of rushing around with this baby. Whereas I'm, I'm working and... Of course, I'm really happy for my daughter, and he's 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 gorgeous. But I still have my life, and she she has hers. Um, they had to move in with me when she was pregnant, so you know that was a nice time. That was a really nice time. Uh, but that it's I think that's a hard word for me, grandma, because grandma to me is like it's a label, isn't it? Is a little. Is somebody a little old lady with white hair? And like, like I've got that image. And then I think don't be so don't be so silly. You know, of course it isn't. I've got a second one coming. My second daughter's pregnant, so yeah. it's all happening. Yeah. And 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 then uh, do they do they have you told your daughters that because my mom couldn't be called grandmom. She, yeah, her name's Rosie, yeah. so she just put a G in front of it. She's called Rosie by her oh, grandchildren. So it's just it's kind of she just was like I'm not ready. For, to be labelled a grandmother. No, I'm exactly the same. Mm. And um, my daughter keeps saying, Mum, you've got to come up with a word. And I'm sort of can't quite do it. And I said, well, well won't he come up with a word? Yeah, that's nice. It's like, and, come and, up with it. Yeah, and, and the other grandparents, um, her boyfriend's parents, they've already got other grandchildren and they've got it sorted because he's just called Dad Dad. Just two dads. <laughs> no, oh. the, the the granddad is just called dad dad. Yeah. So so yeah. we've got dad, and then dad dad is the granddad. It's kind of so dad. So mum mum and dad. Yeah. So I kind but I keep looking at, at different languages and different words and Dutch and Greek and Italian. And then I think, oh god, that's a bit pretentious. Things so I'm not. I'm not <laughs> I love it. <laughs> going for the other languages. Going for another language that they call you. You know, nonno. Yeah. Well, I'm not actually Italian. Why will I sort of suddenly be, be, become Italian? But just as I can't handle the word grandma, I think I can handle Nana because that's what I call mine. Yeah. Nan still seems a bit. Nan does. Nan's a bit. It feels like Nan's grandma. a bit. I'll get the hair net on, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> it's a blue rinse. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about time and the passing of time. I have felt, especially in the last few years, that time is like sprinting away from me yeah. at great speed. And I kind of have this constant feeling of chasing it and trying to keep up with it and walk beside it in, you know, at the same pace. And it's just not happening. Do you find that it, it carries on like that? Because I felt like as I've got older, time has gone faster. Yeah, I think I do, definitely. Um, and I have a kind of argument with a really, really close friend of mine because she is somebody who is incredibly active and goes to loads of things and mm. every night goes to a show or see a film or whatever. And sometimes I say to her, you know, oh, I can't be bothered. I don't need to rush around like that. And she goes, let's not waste time. And we have a, you know, you know, the kind of 
sort of uh, banter that you have with somebody that you love. Mm. And I say, no, sometimes it's really good to waste time. Mm. And it's a, that's kind of different. We have a different approach because yeah. she's like, no, you've got to get, you know, leave it, you can. live every yeah. day. And mm. I'm sometimes living every day is hanging out, yeah. not doing so much. Yeah. And uh, that's something that I kind of, I feel like I've learned in the last, in the last, couple of years it, that you don't always have to be kind of um rushing, rushing or or improving yourself self-improvement thing, isn't it the idea of ambition there's a jeremy irons quote about how he was so happy that he didn't have to chase this kind of raging ambition that he had all his life it's, mm. it's the kind of idea of being happy with your lot is that really yeah, I think I think it's I mean it can sound so cliche, sort of just being at peace with and yeah. all of that all of that kind of thing. And I think people do it in different ways. Yeah. And you know, some people want to go and meditate, but some people just want to go for a walk in the park and it's the equivalent and it doesn't matter and they yeah. want to get a dog and do that. And I, I think it doesn't matter what that thing yeah, is. It's more just knowing yourself and knowing what makes you happy, whatever way you want to approach. Well that. that's yeah. That that's really key to, yeah. to what I would say to anyone and I think that's what you learn as you get older is that things that people have told you will make you happy may not and they may not have done and that's not your fault that you just need to find the things that do and kind of recognize them because you know we're all told if you have this relationship if you get that consumer good whatever it is if you get this high in your career you will be happy and it isn't life isn't like that mm. and we've all met those people haven't we and you kind of know it when you see it I'm not like it because I'm very restless I think that's kind of part of being a journalist you're kind of restless mm. but you meet people and they are literally planting a few bulbs thinking about what what they're going to look like in the spring and you think oh do you know what you've got something going on there, which yeah. is really great. I mean, I've just come back from Greece and it's, again, it might sound like a cliche, but sitting around in these tavernas where people eat really late and sit up all night. And yeah. we tried to get a taxi one day and they were, we were in a tiny village and they said, well, he's asleep. So, you know, you won't be getting a taxi. That's it. But you kind of, I did very much have the feeling that these people have got their priorities sorted. sorted. They're going to yeah. have a nice meal. Of course, they were laughing at us because we were English and they were going, Brexit, Brexit, ha, ha, ha. Have another Uzo. And we're like, yeah. But that sense of knowing that, you know, uh, yes, you could uh, rush around and see the latest exhibition and have the greatest meal in this five-star mm. restaurant, or you can sit in a local place and slowly eat with, with people yeah. was yeah, a reminder of what matters and... Of course, I did that thing where I, because the news is so insane at the moment, mm. it's mm. it's very hard for all of us to switch off. Mm. Especially with social media and the way that you consume the news, it's just constant, isn't it? You have to make an absolute, like, concerted effort to switch off. It's not yeah. just turning the telly off. It's yeah. not like deleting Twitter off your phone, which is what I started doing at <laughs> the weekends that, to stay yeah. sane. yeah. I'm kind of really torn on those things, especially because I, I know like my friend's parents who still can't use or won't use a cash machine. You know, we've now got these people mm. who are completely locked out of 
all situations because they just won't go near the internet. And mm. then, because I think it can be really useful for people who are isolated. Absolutely. Quite a few yeah. people I know who aren't pretty ill and quite stuck at home. Facebook, for all its, you know, all its ills, and yeah. I'm really aware of them, but it's their way of communicating and having a kind a of community. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's one of the things that we do fear as we get older is, is loneliness mm. and building kind of networks of people. And it, and that's a really hard thing to talk about, I think, mm. as well. Because um, obviously lots of people feel that they want to be um, in a family or in a kind of different living situation to the one they're in. Mm. I mean, I've often talked with friends about, you know, the fantasy of just buying a great big place. And living with your friends. Mm. And that it is a fancy. And sometimes you do read pieces or uh, there's a group of women in North London who did it. I think in Enfield, they built a place. Um, wow. Yeah. I think they managed to get some sort of help doing it. There's a group of women in France who all live together. And I mean, surely that's going to be the way to me. Yeah. To me, the, the isolated nuclear family mm. is all, has already shown itself to not really be fit for purpose and we mm. live in different ways and mm. it would be uh, the fear of, of getting older and being alone could be helped if we thought there were, you know, we could live with sort of like-minded people. Yeah. You know? It's such a genius idea. I don't know how. I, I mean, think it's... It's um, because it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean... I talk about it with my friends and what we want is, yeah, we want our own space, but maybe a communal kitchen and we want yeah. spare room for our kids to come and stay. And yeah. we want, we want to have our, yeah, we want our own space, but yeah. have other people there. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what we all want, isn't it? Yeah. Really? yeah. Uh, because why are we all like killing ourselves to pay mortgages on our individual properties? You know, it's all mm. kind of... Mm. I mean, I never thought I'd want to live in a commune. <laughs> I love it. But I think I might. I love the idea of moving into a commune when you're like 75. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but because you see, that's a choice. Whereas old people's homes where people feel dumped and uncared for and unloved and put with people who they wouldn't socially have anything in common yeah. with. Yeah. It's, it's sort of disrespecting the person. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you choose to live with people who you kind of going to get on with. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I do. I do think about. Um, yeah, I think about that. But I, again, I'm. I think there are different ways to the to, to the way we do it, and I would hope that. I mean, it would be great. I mean, I'm. To, I'm not talking about an old people's. Home. I'm talking about a place you can have raves if you want. Yes, you, that is yes. what I'm talking about. Yeah, and parties, and yeah. you know, because we. All, it's agency. It's having. It, it's it's it's, it's, it's one, when we talk yeah. when we have this conversation. We go. We do need a really big kitchen. <laughs> We, need, we do need a really big sound system. Yeah, we do need, because we're going to have parties, you know. And we, yeah, we, we'll, you, you, or kitchen discos, you know, where you just yeah, dance yeah, in the kitchen, whatever. But it's, it's, a, it's. I mean, what I'm talking about is that I'm not fundamentally going to change. 
change. I think it's so funny, isn't it? That people just assume that you're going to be a different person, but that's the other thing. It's like I still feel like I'm 19. Of course you do. I think I'm younger. I keep, I keep, I keep, I keep waiting for like because oh, there's the, like things that you tick off, isn't it? Like to make you officially labelled like an adult, oh, like yeah. a lawnmower or like a mortgage. These things like okay, <laughs> I must be. I have children. I must be an adult, but I still feel like I'm. I'm. I, when does it? It doesn't happen. Clearly, you just well, still you. Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, I've had. I think everyone's got those things. I had because for years, you know, I lived in squats and council flats, and I got somewhere, and I thought, I know I'm going to get a wardrobe. Yeah, <laughs> wardrobe yeah. was the most grown up thing I could imagine having, yeah. and then it was a fridge freezer. I don't know. Although you, you get these things, and I remember being in my sort of early forties, and I was at a party, and I started talking to someone about their kitchen tiles, and I remember looking at my I'm thinking, thinking, no. What? I'm sorry. What? When did you start talking about kitchen tasks? When did you, when did this become significant? What is wrong with you? Of course, you know, like having somewhere nice to live. But no, am I actually standing there talking about kitchen tasks? Yeah. Am I going to dinner where people are talking about doing their own conveyance of a mortgage? You know, it's like, <laughs> kill me now, kill me now. I, I like that you who. say that in your article. You're like, that. one of the things you learn is that Going out, sometimes you don't want to go and sit in a bar because you think you should, or you don't want to go to a boring party and talk about schools and houses because you think that's oh, the God. norm. You're just like, no, this isn't what Well, I, want. I think, yeah, because I think I said it's like, to me, it's a process of editing. And I think you get, I think you're allowed to be a little bit, um, no, I had a couple of weeks where, because I'd read Meryl Streep had done it. You know, we love Meryl Streep. Mm. So <laughs> I'd read that she had, because she's so kind of amazing and powerful that she doesn't say to people, um, she's not directly rude to people, but she says, so a photographer wants her to pose in a certain way. And she says, no, that won't be happening. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's a good thing. I'm just going to say that to people. Yeah. So I spent about two weeks where people say, oh, do you want to come to this um, show? And I go, no, that won't be happening. And they just looked at me like, oh God, she's even, she's even more like gone mad than we thought she was. Because it didn't work because I'm not Meryl Streep. Because <laughs> you can see that Meryl Streep's really regal. And she yeah, says, yeah. no, that won't be happening. She's Meryl Streep. Whereas me, I would just say to random people, no, that won't be happening. And they were like, oh, what does she think she's doing? Because, but what I got from what she was saying was she no longer had to make excuses. Yeah. She no longer had to make excuses. And, and apologise And well say, saying, no, that's, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Because. Because uh, I don't want because to. Because I don't want to. Simple. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, now, I don't want to. And I, you know, if someone has, as I said, asked you to go for lunch for 20 years and you haven't been, it's because you don't <laughs> want to go. And, but you say, oh yeah, okay, I'll put it in the diary. Yeah, we must. Yeah. No, I'm not going to do it. And the other flip side of that, which also sounds arrogant, but I don't care, is when someone gives you a compliment, we ask, as women, we always go, oh, this old thing, or, oh, I wrote that thing. And they say, yeah, that, that, that was really great. And I go, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Whereas before I say, oh, it wasn't, I did it really quickly. Yeah. And oh. mm. now I'm just, I, I can, I think, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm going to take that compliment. Yeah. Thank you very much. You know, when you're a teenager, you do you do stupid things because you and you don't know how they're going to work out, but you front it out mm. because you're you know 15 or whatever. I think there's a bit of that about being older. I like that. Yeah. Yes, if I want to go and do that, I mean, I, I mean, my, my poor kids. I mean, I said to them the other day, I'm going to Amsterdam. 
I'm gonna go and take some psychedelic truffles, and it's all no, it's it's all you know, yeah. it's all official. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, Mom. I'm like, oh, no, you're not going to write about it, are you? <laughs> you're not going to write about it. I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm doing it. I mean, it's it, it's a sort of retreat in Amsterdam. Yeah. And I said I'd do it for somebody. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> what are you going to say? don't know, because I haven't done it yet. <laughs> I always say with my friends, it's always a common thing. We're like, when we're 80, we're just going to take loads of ease. And drink, yeah. Drink vodka all day. Of course. Um, oh, we're with people. Oh, again, our culture is ridiculous about that. When, you know, most people who die in a hospice or in hospitals are, are on diamorphine, which is you know, the pure, it's all drugs. which is it's heroin. And, and so we're completely ridiculous about all of this yeah. stuff. I went to see a friend of mine this week in hospital and she's very, very, very ill. She's you know, terminally ill and she was having a glass of wine. And the nurse came and said, I think that's bad for your blood sugar. And you just think, really? Really? Yeah. At this stage of the yeah. game? Yeah, um, yeah. No, no, we don't. Um, mm, uh, yeah, you must have the freedom. I, I don't think, I don't, I think you're just not going to fundamentally sort of be a different person. If you enjoyed taking drugs when you're younger, you might enjoy taking them when you're older. Yeah. If you didn't, you're not suddenly going to do it. I think yeah. it's just, it's just like being who you are and, and kind of knowing, knowing yourself a bit. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's all right. I mean, I don't want to just be this huge embarrassment to my children. I am aware of that. <laughs> but, you know, I'm aware, aware of it. I'm yeah. aware of it. But but then, you know, because yeah, obviously they're, they've grown up with me. Sometimes, because I'm supposed to be writing a memoir, they just say, will you just get on with it? We know everything anyway. It's all, it's all like, you know, it's all awful. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It's speaking, not- of, speaking of your friend, a terminally ill one, mm-hmm. with with the idea of being closer to the end of your life, mm. how, how, is that something you think of more? Is that something you think of less? How does that, because I still feel like it's ridiculously taboo, the idea yeah. of, of, of death and dying when it's the one inevitable thing that's going to happen to all of us. It's like, Oh, I completely, I completely agree. And I, I think about it a lot. And, mm. and if you say that even, it sounds like you're automatically kind of, sort of weirdly morbid I think I think we should think about it um one of the things I did a few a couple of years ago uh, was uh, I went back to college and I was uh, studying lot of existential ex- existentialism to, to become a therapist and yeah. it was so interesting because obviously that that's the whole point of it it's the, as you say it's the only fact of life we know we come into the world and the one thing we know is we're going to die that's the only thing we know mm. and yet we we can't talk about it at all um people are even scared of making wills for instance which is ridiculous if you've got kids you should make a will mm. and if you say to anyone you know you need to make a will people go <gasps> don't say that don't say that and then you get financial advisors and bank managers who say things to you like well if that thing should happen perhaps you need to make some arrangements and and i would say what thing yeah yeah to make to make them say it because i am aware i don't actually think i'm immortal you know and i always like that thing that i think you have to behave as though you're going to live forever knowing that you're not i think these two things are you know you keep both of them. You hold on to both of them. I, I remember when Derek Jarman, who I who I loved, he was, um, you know, he had his fantastic garden in, at Dungeness, and he was dying. You know, he had HIV, and he was dying, and he was planting stuff. And somebody said to him in an interview, "Are you 
what's it like planting things knowing that you might not be here to see them because he was very ill and he said everybody who plants something nobody knows whether they're going to be there to see it but you should do it anyway and I thought that was kind of a brilliant like way to think about living you know and then none of us know but we could still do the planting having said that you can see I've got astroturf in the garden (laughs) (laughs) oh I love it that's awesome yeah it looks great it looks like real grass to me In 10 years, according to what you said about the normal time that a woman gets menopause, I will be getting menopause, right? And I am terribly ignorant about it. I feel really bad because I don't know anything about it. Yeah. About what it does. You've you've kind of alluded to things. What happens, (laughs) please, Suzanne, help for all those listening who've who've dreaded it and don't understand it. Okay. What can you... you it's so funny clarity. you asking me because I was nine of the grief last week. I was with a load of uh, women who were in their early forties who I would say incredibly smart and didn't know anything and were saying I to me, saying to each, saying out. to each other, "Oh, I feel like this and I feel like that." And all the things I was saying, I was thinking, "Oh yeah, yeah, you're, you're just going into the menopause." And I sort of had, the, "I'm not a doctor." Okay, the, here we go. Uh, everybody thinks menopause is just your period. You have periods and they stop. Yeah. It's not like that. It's a long process. Um, and some women sail through it, honestly. Some women have mood swings, feel depressed, feel, feel irritable, uh, hot, the hot flushes, all of that stuff. Insomnia is part of it. Feel a bit of brain fog even. All sorts of things, aches and pains. But that's called perimenopause. So you go to a doctor and they say, They'll test your hormones and they'll say, you know, you're not actually menopausal yet, you're perimenopausal. And I say then, what does that mean? And they said, oh, that can go on for 10 years. 10? Uh, 10 years? Yeah, I know, this is what I said. Well, you were like, going to say maybe two. No, it could go on for years because you're still having the odd period, right? So you could still, happening. you still get pregnant. So your periods lessen? I know yeah. it can be, yeah. it's different to every person, but they stop yeah. being every month. So they may be every, what, like four months? Yeah, you then. might not have one for three months okay. and then you have one and then, or you, and you, or you, and you go through a, a, a period, you go through a patch where you think, oh, it's done now. I haven't not having any more periods. And then you have one you have a bit of bleeding so you're still having your hormones are still going up and down and what's really happening in your body is your estrogen levels are dropping and that's what causes uh you know a lot of the problems like your skin will get drier sometimes your hair will fall out you feel itchy because it's estrogen that sort yeah. of provides the kind of bloom of youth that's a, and at that point you know, you make a decision or not around HRT, which doesn't, it didn't work for me. It works, I'm not for or against anything. I just think people need to know what's happening to make an informed choice Mm -hmm. about it. Um, I've got friends who were majorly depressed, upset, felt terrible, felt they certainly couldn't survive in a busy workplace, get an HRT patch and they're just back to themselves. And what exactly does HRT do? Well, it's, but it's putting in some more estrogen as a combination of estrogen and progesterone. Uh, and But there's a risk. There's risks with all, all uh, you know, medications. So they're still discussing it because there was, there was a scare about HRT um, being linked to a rise in breast cancer because breast cancers are also to do with estrogen. 
Um, then they have another study where it says it isn't. Um, and then another reason that you might take HRT is if as you get older, your bones thin. So there's, you, you, you just need to, you really, I hope that by the time it happens to you, that people are talking about it. And so that when you walk into your GP, um, I'd like to use a medical term, but my friend used to just describe me as sweaty and mental. <laughs> <laughs> when you walk in, symptoms, I'm yeah. sweaty and I'm mental. <laughs> when you go into your GP, sweaty and mental, that they don't just say to you, oh, have an antidepressant or have this, that you know that you have worked out what you might want to try and what you might not want to try. You yeah. know? And the only thing I can say about it is it is light at the end of the tunnel because once you've gone through that that phase and you no longer have periods, my God, that's great. So the perimenopausal bit is the bit when your periods are stopping. Are stopping. And then the actual and I think, menopause I remember is... Because I said to my doctor, because she said, so she was explaining this to me and I haven't explained it very well because I'm not a doctor and I hope some doctors will come and talk to you about it. Yeah. Probably I think I'll do a whole episode yeah, on yeah, menopause. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it, we, we don't know enough. Yeah. Um, well, like, you know, people generally don't know enough. But... When I said to my doctor, 10 years, just like you do. Yeah. And she said, well, you know, it's different for different people. And I said, well, when will it stop? You know, when? Yeah. Um, Especially said, if you've got insomnia. Yeah, yeah. And she says, when, when will it stop? And I think, I think, can't, I don't know what the medical definition is. I think your periods need to have stopped for a year, two years. And then they say that you're post. Because I said, when will I, when can I say I'm, you know, I'm done kind yeah. of thing. And, she, and she, she was so, she was lovely, my doctor. And she said, what is it that you really want, Suzanne? And I said, and I didn't know. And I said, a certificate. <laughs> <laughs> like, because I couldn't think of anything to say. Yeah. But I wanted like, Because it's an achievement getting through I, it. I want something so I can just put it on the, so I can shut up. So I don't yeah. know what I wanted. I wanted some acknowledgement of it. And I did think, and I, when I wrote about it, I have to say, because I said, I kind of felt, you know, maybe I'm a bit of a pagan, but I kind of wanted a ritual, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I'm sort of out of that bit of my life. I can no longer reproduce, which is a, a massive boon to most people, yeah. I should imagine. But, uh, yeah. It's funny. I, I, when I read what you, the article about menopause, it reminded me of when I tried to give up smoking. And the, the overall kind of idea of people who, who smoke loads is that giving up smoking is a sacrifice. But Alan Carr, who wrote this really famous yeah, book, yeah. His way of saying is that you, you need to look at smoking like you're free of it, like you're free of nicotine. You've been liberated from yeah. nicotine. And it's similar with the menopause. It's like, you're, like if you look at it like you're free of periods, you're yeah. free of this fucking monthly menstruative pain and annoyance. And, you know, you don't, you, you don't, you're not that. I know, it's really weird. That, that, that kind of human making machine anymore. Yeah, you're, you're not that. Like a human. And, and, and then you think, and then, you know, if you're that sort of person, you who thinks about stuff then you think so what's the meaning then so I've done that bit that yeah. bit's gone I'm going to send bit. I mean I remember saying to my one of my daughters she said have you got any tampons and I said well no I haven't and she said well why not like where yeah. are they in the house I go oh, I haven't actually I got them. I haven't got them and then because I've got them because they live yeah, with me but it was what do you mean I said because yeah. they've always been there you yeah, live yeah, I live yeah, in yeah. a house of women I've got three yeah. daughters it's like that it's like yeah. tights you know we all yeah. take each other's tights and uh, what do you mean you haven't got any? <laughs> because I don't have to have them anymore. And Look I don't at my certificate know. on the wall. Oh, yeah, that's what <laughs> but I don't know a woman who misses their period. Oh my god. I, I mean I, I think they miss being younger and they miss mm. stuff, you know, and they, you know, all of that. I'm not I'm not sort of saying it's all lovely, but I don't I have never met a woman who misses it. 
Suzanne, thank you so much. That <laughs> okay. was incredible. Okay. I really enjoyed I it. I was just going on. Yeah, I think I think people are going to love that so much and be very uh, comforted by so many things that you said. So thank you. Oh, thank you. It's lovely to see you. There you go. A wonderful, enlightening and hopefully uh, helpful conversation with Suzanne Moore with regards to all things growing old. Um, if you have anything to say about what you just heard, if you are moved to to contact me and tell me stories or, or tell me how that affected you, go for it. FindingAnnieMac at gmail.com is the email address or hit us up on Instagram, AnnieMacDJ and um, leave a comment on one of the podcast posts on there. Um, Next week, folks, we have another female guest and she's quite similar to Suzanne Moore in a way in that she's completely unfiltered, uh, but she's in politics. So that's a lot, lot kind of bigger deal when you have someone as unfiltered and as authentic uh, as this woman. Her name is Jess Phillips. She kind of shines like a beacon of sense and humanity from the kind of pompous idiocy that comes out of Westminster so often. Um, She is viral a lot of the times because of her very human kind of rants in Westminster. She's an MP for Birmingham Yardley since 2015, and she's a member of the Labour Party, and she is a wonderful, wonderful woman. Um, So I'm really excited to have her on. I'll see you then. Bye. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 